Hello, welcome to Mark Langley's Horsemanship Podcast, a podcast helping people to understand their horses better, to provide solutions in a calm, connected way. I'm Jenny Barnes. And I'm Mark Langley. Mark, your first question is from Stella. She says, does it matter where I work with my horses? Should I separate and work with them away from their buddies? Should she work with one in a place where they can see each other? Or work one when the other's moving freely about in the same arena? Or does it matter? Is one way better than another? Her goal is to achieve focus while dealing with distractions and provide a safe environment as they progress towards confidence. Thanks for the question, Stella. That's a good, a good question because uh, it, it's basically, I think, no matter what we're doing with our horses, we're always going to come up with this same scenario. Uh, also, the scenario of separation, anxiety, connection, disability, things like that. Um, basically, you want to work in an environment with your horse that you can get something done or achieve. So that's the first thing you want to think about. So, um, in a lot of cases, depending on, it all depends on the horse. So if you've got a horse that suffers um, from from really bad separation anxiety, he's not used to you know they're not used to leaving their friends and or being away from their friends, then then the lesson would usually always start in an area close to their friends. So um, their anxiety level is just at a normal sort of um, you know they 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 don't suffer from high anxiety. That's what I'm saying. They're, they're not um, super stressed or anything like that. And then you can sort of show them the things that you need to show them uh, so they can learn. And what I do is then I move away from the horses a little bit uh, for, for my next lesson. Or sometimes I can shift the whole mob near the yards. Well, whatever you want. But for, for, for a certain, you know, a few lessons, uh, could, you know, could be sort of between two and ten lessons. It just depends on how you're going with the horse and what you're teaching them. But... Um, some horses you can take to another environment but if you took a horse to a completely different environment to educate it and you weren't able to help it at all because it didn't have a lack of under, you know it didn't have enough education and things like that then it would have been a waste of time by trying to educate it in a different environment so um, I always start around the horses and then slowly work my way to other environments um, so I can take the horse away on its own but it's just you treat it like graded exposure um, and then yeah you get to a stage that you lead the horse somewhere that you can train it out of eye shot from the other horses um, but to get there you might work it in a few different spots beforehand okay staying on separation anxiety Carrie has a question on floating she says, do you have any tips on separation anxiety and floating? She says, I understand that you consider separation anxiety connection disability and floating problems to be a lack of understanding and thought of the float. She's trained float loading and unloading to produce softness and understanding, but the horse that she has still sweats and suffers anxiety when she's by herself. It starts as soon as she closes the top door of the float and she can no longer see her. She floats perfectly with another horse. So is there anything she can do? Because at the moment she can't, can't travel with her alone. Yeah, this is, uh, I guess, that, that, that question, uh, Carrie, is one of those those questions that, that, that we're all going to come, come across as there are some horses that once they're closed off in a float on their own, um, they're isolated and, and it's not really familiar for them 
to have such isolation because uh, they're a herd animal. So how we build and how we educate them is going to be very important to how well they go in the horse float. So what what I um, firstly like what you said, I call separation, anxiety, connection, disability, but once a horse goes in a horse float, you're not there. So so separation, anxiety, technically once your horse is sort of educated and connected with you, um, is, is only there when the horse is on its own. So when you leave the horse in the float on its own, that's when it suffers from separation, anxiety. But I'd say there's a fair few things in the float that we have to look at as well. So... Um, and going back to a lack of understanding, so um, if the horse does all the things that you ask well away from the float and then you ask them those questions near the float or on the float, how softly does your horse, you know, listen to all those things and how well does it listen to those things? So the things that you might be looking at is how well does it step back and come forward, step back and come forward uh, on the ramp. In comparison to just out in the paddock or in the arena or where you work it, if it's if there's a resistance at the float, then then obviously there's still a little bit of work to be done there, and um, and and if the horse is softly engaging with the question, but also when you stop and give it space, it engages with the float. So the the other thing I do with your horse is um, have it well educated test the education at the float, but then give it plenty of time in between. So so. When, when you might be standing near the float or <clears throat> front feet on the float, fore feet on the float, for the horse just to stop and think about everything and just see, you know, just 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 really assess how even your horse is, as in what I said before, is is it just as willing and soft at, on the float as it is when you're not doing the lesson on the float. If it's not, then work on, yes, the disciplinary part of it, which is follow a feel softly, and then give it a little bit more time to stop and keep its thoughts in the float until it sort of tests the float a little bit more itself. So go back and work on that because uh, that's quite important. And then next thing I'd be looking at is um, uh, helping educate your horse to self-load so it goes in ahead of you. Um, so that would mean that you would work up to it, you standing at the ramp and sending it in and it being able to stand in there on its own. So how you do that is you might start halfway in, in the float with your, your halfway in and just get your horse to lead past you up to the chest bar and then back out again up to the chest bar and then you might while it's at the chest bar handle down to its hip, handle back to its head, handle down to its hip and just stand there um, and then from maybe where the where the breaching bars are is ask your horse to go past you into the float and stand in there quietly um, and then from the ramp ask it to go all the way in stand quietly and back out and grade the grade the exposure as in as in what I mean is, is, is you might do it for a short bit before the horse gets stressed you take it off and then put it back on again and, and slowly build the time that it's in there that, that, that would help um, so then you get to a stage you can put your horse in, self-load it, put the breaching bar on, just go around the float, fiddle for a bit, do some things, and then undo the breaching bar, lead your horse back out of the float, then put it back on, close the breaching bar, and let it go in for a little bit on its own, spend some time in there, and then come out again. 
um, that's that's also going to help it now if a horse suffers from claustrophobia um, and then it's going to be a long road anyway like you, you can get them really well educated but you still have to have a certain amount of exposure safe exposure in the float and then and then also a lot of sort of moving the float while you load them and stuff like that um, what I would do uh, instead of closing the back door right off like um, and closing so so the other thing is most definitely is teach your horse to self-load without any front doors open so that you know sometimes people open a front door so it looks quite open and then they they sort of they're deceived into thinking oh this is a nice big space and they go in there then all the doors close up so the horse starts to feel claustrophobic so I always make sure that I've taught them to load with all the front doors closed as claustrophobic as I can make it so I know that they're walking in there with confidence I'm not fooling them in there only to trap them later so the biggest thing is probably when you close it up into darkness and you close that back one so what I would say is take her for little drives around the paddock without the back one open so leave it um, with it sorry with the back one open with um, and, and just get her used to traveling on her own with the back one open once she's traveled on her own unload a loader travel her a little bit again like only for, for you know, 30 seconds if you want close it travel for another 30 seconds open it again and and just maybe just um, just grade the amount of time that she's in there with it fully enclosed and lots of on and off um, and then as you've probably seen me do is plenty and this is for everyone else with loading issues is plenty of once once the horse is in the confined space whether it be an angle load float or a straight load float with the bridge and bar and the chest bar get them to walk backwards and forwards and feel all their boundaries and uh, and carry with your horse in particular your feeling for the horse softly listening if, if if you've got any freeze brace movements sort of stuck movements things like that then you know your horse is not coping well in there by the way it's not listening to to you when you ask it to do something but if it's listening really well to what what you what you're asking it to do and it feels as i said before just as good as it does outside in its best environment then you know you're making some headway especially on on the uh, claustrophobia because once a horse starts to feel claustrophobic it's very hard for them to hide that nervousness and brace so when you ask them a question you'll feel the difference in them um, and, and I ask horses a lot of little questions inside the float until they're sort of softly listening to something and then I let them stop let them have a little little decompress for a second and then ask them a few things um, and as I say you're going to be sending her in on her own a lot um, but yeah anyway it's it's a bit of a long road when they're a bit claustrophobic but, um, Do you think you can fix claustrophobic horses? With good education and with commitment, you can you can help with it a lot till it starts to get a lot better. Um, I, I think most of the horses that I've seen that seem a little claustrophobic, they've just never had enough education time. Yeah. yeah. And and for everyone just to take take this and and put it into reality. Um, if you look at say a, a, a cutting horse that's going to go to a futurity. Um, you know, I believe that the, the, the cutting horses might get started young and when they're sort of two years old they'll go into their futurity training so um, and they'll be 18 months training to 20 months training um, and that's sort of you know fairly solid training so they can cut and how many hours do you think they've spent sort of going on a horse float out of that 18 months so 
if it puts it in perspective, if it takes that long to teach a horse to cut and build up for cutting, then the, the, the most unhorse place is a horse float. Um, we, we owe it to them to spend, uh, especially if they really struggle, to spend a little bit of time or, or a fair bit of time getting them to really understand that it's okay. So, you know, some foundations take six or eight years for, for a good riding foundation and I think you can sort of allocate a fair bit of that time into floating for the, for the troubled horses. Uh, and then, and then you find that there's less claustrophobia out there. I think, I think, um, I don't think we address it uh, enough. Well, that's, that's good to hear. So, horsemanship stayings. You, one of your sayings is connection disability. We mentioned that. So that's instead of separation anxiety. You like to use the word connection disability because it's focusing people on the solution, I suppose. Another saying out there is the tree of knowledge. Andrea says, "What are your thoughts?" and what seems to be a common method of tying horses up when they play up in training to a tree or a fence for them to grow a brain. Uh, horse, horses have already got a brain um, and education educates them. Uh, that's the way I see, see training and, and, and you know whether we call it the tree of knowledge or uh, the tree of patience or whatever, whatever the post of patience, whatever it is, there's a lot of um, thought on, on using patience pole to, to sort of help horses. Some, some horses, they, they'll time up till they settle. Some horses have been a bit um, stirred up um, when they've been ed being educated, so then they'll time up for a long time. It will not teach them to grow a brain. It will not help them with whatever you are trying to educate them with, that's for sure. And um, there's a really good saying that I think, like it's one of my favorite sayings when it comes to sort of leading and tying up. And the saying is, is the best way to teach a horse to tie up is don't tie it up. So um, if anyone was thinking about tying a horse up for a while, and uh, in education it is important to tie horses up for, 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 for increments of time and build up that time so they know that they can stand settled um, if you need to tie them up for a, for a while and, and go away and come back and things like that. It, it's essential in, in, in horses training to teach them to cope with being tied up, but tying up doesn't educate a horse if you had educational problems riding. Mm -hmm. Tying up is something that you, you, you teach a, you show a horse or you ask a horse to do once it leads really well. And once a horse can follow a field really well, and they can, following a field means when a horse, when you lift up a field on a rope, the horse follows it without question. So when the field goes quiet, the horse goes quiet with the rope. Once the horse really understands that and it can lead up really nicely, then you can hang, hang that rope anywhere. The horse will stay with that rope uh, and not put a lot of pressure on it. And if we put a lot of effort into how we educate our horses, then they'll tie up a lot better for their first experiences tying up uh, when you walk away and do stuff on their own because you've taught them to um, be confident with that rope and confident to have a still quiet mind and things like that. And then, and then you tie them up because there are horses that if you tie them up, they're uneducated. They just start to panic and dig a hole in the ground until eventually they just shut down and go into sort of a place of learned helplessness. And they didn't really learn anything except to stand still and brace um, or paw for a long time and things like that. And I, and, and I don't like seeing horses moving around f for hours on end only to finally quit um, because they're not learning anything for that time. Though eventually they quit and they might next time realise that when they're tied up it's futile to to sort of do all that, 
uh, you run too much of the risk of them just going la 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 and just going into a bad place that you don't want a horse to go into. Would it affect how they feel about us? You know, would they hold any resentment to us or would they go, oh, I better not do that because they're going to tie me up? Does that sort of situation occur at all? Um, I don't. I don't. I think. I think horses live in the moment more. Tying up will not ever. Even if you tied a horse up in a bad way, it's not going to resent you for it because you're not doing anything to the horse. Um, horses resent people for doing stuff to them. So when the, when the horse is scared of the human's energy and scared of the person, mm -hmm. they remember that. But I've seen horses get in awful binds and come out of binds and and be soft with a person because the person didn't do it to them. Right. So it's it's not that they're going to become frightened or anything of the person because of that pressure uh, that they were under tied up mm. they'll just associate tying up as a as a bad thing maybe especially if they spent half an hour stressing or an hour stressing only to to finally sort of quit and if a horse can pace a fence constantly you got to think of it like this if a horse can pace a fence constantly for two hours um, then it'll dig it'll, it'll it'll some horses will stand for a long time stressed mm. And I don't think that's right. But anyway, back to the more the the, the question that the the question that you you were really sort of getting at was, is if a horse is not understanding education, it's you can tie it up all day if you like, but it's not going to help it understand the question you're asking it when you're educating it. So it's 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 it might yeah if you tie them up all day in the sun, it might knock some. Um, energy out of them and stuff like that because by the time you go to work them they're going to be all um, but a horse that's really frightened it doesn't matter how how tired they are or how mentally tired they are from sort of struggling on the end of a, a rope or a patient's pole is if they're really frightened when you get them back in they'll frighten and they still have adrenaline and adrenaline should create all that energy again so it's not going to help a nervous horse um, make you feel any make them feel any better about you uh if the horse is playing up a bit under saddle it's probably you've got to work out what was happening under saddle or before you rode that was causing the problem what triggered the anxiety what what caused the anxiety at that time um because going and tying it up and bringing it back to work is not going to help it at all um uh, but for anyone that wants to tie a horse up teach them how to lead and, and, and grade their exposure on their own. Just like I was, I was talking about a floating lesson about a claustrophobic horse. You go, you go in, the horse comes out. And uh, for a horse um, that, that um, doesn't tie up very well or pours the ground or suffers from separation anxiety, then you teach it how to lead really well. So technically when a horse learns how to lead really well, you can put it out on the end of a long rope, drop that rope on the ground, the horse will stand and be centred in its mind because you've taught it to be um, more centred and confident. Then once the horse leads really well and is more centred and confident with that rope, you can tie it for um, small increments and, and then build those increments up to longer increments um, that it can tie up on its own and not be, not be stressed. But that has to happen first. Education is the most powerful thing. Okay, and last question for today is from Karen. She's wondering if you can talk about your preference for reins when you're first introducing the snaffle bit. Yeah, that's a. It's a. I remember I read that question. I was like, it's a. It's a good question because I think sometimes it's, 
not really thought of uh, the weight of a rein um, and there's so many reins on the market and I guess some people buy the reins they like to hold in their hands and what does a horse like to hold in its you know you know if it's got a bit in its mouth what 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 weight does it like to, to uh, you know to carry now there was a clinic some time ago and I'm, I'm going to just give you a bit of a scenario just to sort of let you think about for everyone to think about is there's a, a, a clinic and, and this horse had quite a busy mouth but he was covered, suffering from other anxieties as well but he was very sensitive in the mouth and the person was riding with McCarty reins with quite heavy slobber straps and the horse had started to get a habit of sort of shaking the bit in its mouth and, and then what had happened the big slobber straps would shake around and, and, it, and they were causing a lot of feedback. And even when the horse was sort of, you know, walking and trotting, it was it was a lot of feedback on its mouth as those slobber straps were swinging from side to side, things like that. And that feedback was way too much feedback. So I encouraged the the, the rider to to try a different, you know, just a just a sort of a, a lighter leather set of reins. And the amount of head fight probably in the horse disappeared. The amount that, the amount of head fight that disappeared was probably about fifty percent. So I thought that was pretty good. We didn't, you know, 50% by just changing a tool is pretty good because usually I would say education is the strongest tool. But the amount of feedback that those the heavy slobber straps and everything was giving the horse in its mouth was way too much. Um, so when it got less feedback, it started to quieten and then listen to the reins a lot better. So with horses with very dull mouths, you can dull them more by having way too much weight flapping around. So I don't encourage, if I use it, when I even the little slobber straps I use, I only use little slobber straps. I don't use big heavy slobber straps that flap around, things like that. So I wouldn't go to, you know, because by the time you tie a, whether it's a horsehair rein or just a, um, a marine rope type rein onto a slobber strap, there's a lot of weight hanging down on a slobber strap and on a knot. And that sort of gets quite active and, and, it, and it ends up, not much different than having a clip on the end of a on you know, on on a a big heavy clip on on your lead rope hanging off the bottom of the holder swinging around. So um, when it comes to a rein, I like a rein that's got a reasonable weight. Like when I use light reins, the ones that are really light that you can't feel. Yeah, the horse only really feels them when you pick up the contact, as in as in you start to pull a little on the rein. Whereas a little bit of a weighted rein, if it's a nice even weight right, right down to the bit, um, you, the horse can feel the amount of droop more. So I find I find I like it more when I'm using rein positions and stuff like that because I can put a nice float in the rein and they just feel the take up of the rein a little more. And when you weight one rein higher and things like that, I just find I get a, um, a nicer feel on the horse and I, and I just feel it's... I, 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 just, I just like it like that and I think the horses... Um, there's, it just gives you a little bit more understand. Like, um, it, it's like turning a three-speed into a five or six-speed gearbox. You, you've got a few more positions that you can use, and the horse is more aware of the take-up and 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 the release. Um, so yeah, I, I, if you go a leather rein, like I like a, a thicker leather rein. Like some of those cutting reins are pretty nice that have got a bit of weight in them, um, and you know a marine rope rein's pretty good. Um, but if you go too heavy, they, they're just a little bit too heavy and cumbersome. So um, I think about, is it 10 mil? What are our lead ropes about? 
10 mil, yeah, about, about I think it's about a 10 mil. Um, it's not a bad, 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 um, a bad thickness. Um, if you put them on a slobber strap, just cut a little slobber strap so and, and put a little knot in there so so there's more of an even take up instead of a heap of weight here because what, what I'm looking for is I want a fairly even weight from where it touches the bit all the way up to my hand I don't want to sort of have this sort of weight here and then right at the end have a heavy bit that's that's uh, outweighs that even weight that you've got all the way through to the bit. So what about clip-on reins? Well clip-on reins are kind of good but the only thing I don't like about clip I don't like the clangy steely feel on them I just just that's just my little pet hate on those so but you've got to be careful so if you've got a, a tie on rein you can't put a tie you know the reins that sort of tie and tighten onto the bit um, you'd have to ride in a loose ring snaffle with those reins because as they tighten on the bit they, they cause a gag effect on any other bits like a D bit or anything like that they'll cause a gag effect so if it they'll they'll always be tighten up on one spot but if they tighten on the lower spots as you pick up you'll you'll you'll, you'll twist the bit up like that so mm. you've got to be mindful that any reins that have that sort of knot that pulls tight on itself onto the bit are probably better suited to a loose ring snaffle because um, the loose ring stops it from having a gag effect right. um, so um, so yeah you've got to have I think the reins it's good to they, they can slip a little bit on on the bit uh, so when you use a D bit or something like that that, that you, the rein will slip a little bit on it not grab on gra grab onto the ring um, so if you're using leather reins, I'd say just one that's got a nice, uh, you know, there's different options that saddlers make that sort of have ways of tying leather reins on. Otherwise, just a fairly light, like a, a buckle. Um, though the clips are very easy, I'm just, you know, I just find they're a bit, bit clangy and, 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 you know, they just, this, this, just clang, clang on the bit a little bit, steel on steel. I'm just not a fan of too much steel on steel. Um, but yeah, sorry, <laughs> I don't want to send you on a goose, well, goose hunt, but, but yeah, just a nice even amount of weight, but not too heavy and not, not too much feedback from too much weight hanging off the bit itself. That's great. Thanks, Mark. Hope that helps, Karen. We'll talk to you again soon, Mark. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Jenny. You can learn more from Mark online through his online training videos. Just search Mark Langley Horsemanship. There's over 380 training videos which everyone has access to with a 7 day free trial. If you like what you see, it's just $15 a month from there. That's help where you need it.